This is a part of the Aggie Radio Show Network. Hi, I'm Caleb Price, and you're listening to Relatable Thoughts. Did you know that what goes on in your mind is the reason for everything you experience in life? For your anxiety, for the money you make, your major, your relationships, reaching your goals, even the feelings you feel. So why is no one talking about it? As a college student, a Latter-day Saint, and a certified life coach, I'm speaking up and talking about our thoughts and teaching you how to manage your mind. Because the secret is, you aren't alone in what you think. Your thoughts are totally relatable. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 53. It's going to be a good one. Um, I'm going to make it quick because today I have a special guest on with me. I'm doing an interview, and I'm planning on probably doing interviews every other week or so often, depending on what I decide, really. Um, interviewing people just like you, college students, young people, people that are trying new things, always asking this question of what has impacted you the most in your life that you would share with other people. So I hope today's a good one. Basically, we deep dive into some some of the basics that we talk about on the podcast when it comes to our thoughts and how it influences everything, how we perceive the world and whatnot. Even if the language we use and we kind of go a little, well, even if it's a little deep at times, I promise you, you're going to get something out of this. I just want to reiterate that my giveaway is still happening for the podcast. So if you love listening to this podcast and haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, please do so. I would so appreciate that. Plus, you have the chance of winning $52 on Amazon, um, this Amazon gift card um, that I'm providing. The giveaway ends next Friday, March 11th. So be on top of that. Go and um, follow me on Instagram, like that post where I talk about the giveaway, and then um, go and leave a review and then you'll get entered in the giveaway and I'll announce those winners. So that's what I have for you today. I think we're going to launch straight into it. Just be prepared that I have some big things coming up. Um, if you are interested in getting coached, because the things that I, we talk about are amazing and I'm so glad I get to share and help you guys as well. But I just want to continue to reiterate that over and time and time again, I've been reminded this week that While these things are amazing to listen and hear about, and they do impact you, and I know that they can change you, the change is 10 or even 100 times more applicable, more personal, and more powerful when you experience it one-on-one with a coach. And so that's why I offer a free coaching session. Just for 30 minutes of your time, we can dive deep into what's really bothering you, what are you avoiding, How can you achieve the most successful thing that you want to? How can you blow your dreams out of the water, basically? We can dive into any of it, and I'd love to be your coach. Anyway, that's what I have for you. Um, On to the interview. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Relatable Thoughts. You're listening to episode, I think, 53, and I have a special guest today. So I'm introducing this new idea I want every other week, I think, to bring on someone who I believe has something to share. A young adult or someone, you know, similar nature, someone that has something to share basically for our generation that has changed their life and has a message basically to share. So today I have my good friend Sean um, on the show. You can uh, feel free to introduce yourself now. Thanks. It's a... It's very flattering that you think I have something to share. <laughs> but, okay. 
Yeah, I'm excited to do this. I've never done a podcast like this before. It should be fun. Yeah, no, it's always a good experience, and I love it. I hope you guys enjoy something from it. If not, me and Sean are just going to have an awesome conversation, yeah. and you're going to get to listen to it. So, I mean, technically, they don't have to listen to it. They no. could turn it off. They could at any time. But that would be bad for ratings, right? Yeah, we're not doing that. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Sean. So we were talking and we're like, well, how do we want to phrase this? How do we want to like go through everything? And we're just like, you know what? We're just going to, we're going to word vomit. Like that's the way to get this out basically. So Sean, like who are you? Why should we care? And what do you have to say basically? Okay. Um, well, my name is Sean Jones. Start there. That's who I am. Uh, I'm an engineering student up here at USU studying computer engineering with a minor in mathematics and computer science. Uh, as far as professional success, I recently launched a satellite. It's been one of the most successful CubeSats to date. Yeah, that's like a huge success, honestly. I hear yeah. about it at least, so I'm like, it's awesome. Yeah, it was an incredible opportunity. Awesome team. Uh, we had a great leader, too, that helped us out. Um, so it was, it was a really incredible experience. Um, as far as why you should listen to me, well... Take what I say, and if it works, you should listen to me. And if it doesn't, don't use it. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. So what I want to talk about today is, um, I guess we should premise this. In my free time, I like to listen to psychology lectures on YouTube and evolutionary lectures and neurochemistry lectures. And basically, instead of having social media, I hide myself in my room and listen to lectures for fun. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm, it's pretty bad. I'm a nerd. But uh, I want to share some of the things that I've been seeing across what I've been learning. Um, and so, especially with like mental health, um, because I, I've struggled with depression since I was about 14 years old, um, have had anxiety on and off, uh, and also had some PTSD when I came home from the mission and just really because of that and some major concussions I've had, I've had to make a habit of studying, studying how my brain works. And so maybe just share some insights that I found about kind of how I work and, uh, hopefully it can help some other people too. Totally. And I'm really interested now to listen, basically. I think you're better. I mean, you listen to lectures. I do social media. And <laughs> so, I mean, like, I think that's awesome, honestly. Yeah. And hey, social media is great. I don't, I don't have anything against it. I just, anyways, we'll get into something else. Yeah. yeah we'll get let's into let, it. Let's talk about some actual <laughs> science here. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, so, one thing that I've been, it's kind of been on my mind a lot lately is, uh, this this idea of heuristics and so to define the word a heuristic is a mental shortcut you build for example when you jump in your car every day you don't see all the moving parts of a car right mm -hmm. you see a car right when you look at a cup on the table that cup can be a hundred different shapes it can have a hundred different logos on it different colors different sizes that cup is still a cup in your mind and that's really want to start is these heuristics are so powerful that they affect how we see things. We see things for their utility, not for the actual object they are. Mm -hmm. That's why everyone can have a different looking phone and you always see a cell phone, right? You can put two things that objectively speaking are different, but our mind will perceive them as the same. Mm -hmm. So how this works is when you're a child, right? You, you see these babies, they, they play with everything. They put it in their mouth. They look at it and like, one thing like a fork or a, a ball or something that's really normal to us is fascinating to them. It's because they're literally seeing more than we're seeing, right? Mm -hmm. they, they start to pull this apart. They start to look for the utilities of it and they start to experiment with it. And then their brain is just tracking. It's in the state of tracking, 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 trying to see what this object can be used for. And as time goes on, we build up thousands and millions of these in our mind. 
what's really interesting about these heuristics is they're actually neural pathways. It's more than just like a thought process. They're actually built into the structure of our brain. That's interesting. Yeah, I just like, I don't know. It's like blowing my mind a little bit. Because I, I mean, like, I obviously understand that, but it's like fascinating to like think about like, I mean, I I think about like, I don't know, a computer, like how different is like every single computer and all the workings on the inside. Yeah, when you look at it, you're like, oh, I know what the purpose of this is. I know the utility of it. All that's available, basically. But I'm not thinking about each individual component to all these things and whatnot, how to operate it. I even think about like, um is like a heuristic would be similar to like when you like drive to work basically and you sometimes like you don't think about the directions to get there you don't think about like these are everything i have to do in the car to get there it's just like i gotta get to work boom i'm at work like it's just done yeah yeah so that yeah is that what ha oh sorry what's happening there is Essentially, your brain takes these heuristics and it compiles them down to smaller and smaller space until they fit in a block box. So mm -hmm. you actually just hit on the like the next thing that happens is your brain will okay. take these heuristics and it chains them together and then makes that as small as possible. So it takes as least amount of brain power as possible to use it and then just runs the function. And that's literally autopilot for your brain, mm -hmm. right? That's why they literally say muscle memory. That's the category that falls into, right? Repetition, perfect practice, perfect. All this is because your brain just compiles it down into the smallest form. Okay, yeah, that's what I needed to learn when I was practicing violin then. Because <laughs> I mean, like, it would do muscle memory. And it it's fascinating. Like, you, like, I don't know, you'd practice for hours and then you take this, like, piece that you played that was, like, super hard at the beginning and now you just, like, you whip it out you're not thinking about it. You're now thinking about more the expression and like, what do you want to say with the piece rather than like put finger one right on this note and put finger two, cause that would take forever and you wouldn't be able to move fast enough. Exactly. And I think that just highlights the first point that I kind of want to talk about is if you're struggling with your life, right? If you're having problems, look at the little things that you're doing that are being compiled down smaller and smaller mm -hmm. right maybe you're just you're eating a bunch of junk food i, I totally do i had a candy bar before i came here i, kind I, of I love candy it. bars <laughs> but but maybe that's what you're doing right like you you eat a candy bar before you go to school every day and you just feel a little bit worse and so that's getting compiled into the rest of your day it's getting mm -hmm. compressed into the rest of it or like for example when you play basketball right maybe you're letting um one of your thumbs get into the shot just a little bit you don't even notice it but because you've allowed a bad habit to slip in right it's completely throwing off the rest of your game mm, and right. it gets just thrown into the autopilot so you don't even exactly. notice it like i'm thinking about like um sometimes when i go to bed like i'm like oh like i'll entertain myself and like watch uh, i don't know a netflix seinfeld episode or something like that because it's really easy it's fun and entertaining but i notice that like affects my sleep i don't get as much because obviously like that's 30 minutes and so it's just like but it's basically like autopilot i get like i get home and i'm going to bed like boom turn it on and then I don't even recognize it as something that could be having this effect just by one small little thing, basically. Yeah, exactly. And what's also interesting about this is, um, like you said, you don't realize it's having a small effect, but you're like, well, I go home after school. And so what's interesting about our brains is a lot of us think of our brains or ourself as like a single singular entity. Mm. Um, I've, I don't think that's true because if it was true, if I was one person, then it would be really easy for me to change. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I was just like yeah. one thing, I'd have 100% control, but we don't. We don't even have control over our heart and our lungs. 
right? We don't have control over how fast our body heals. We don't have control over like some of these bad habits we're trying to kick, right? So what happens is these these heuristics get put in boxes and those boxes are assigned functions. And then those functions are assigned to sub-personalities in your mind. Mm-hmm. For example, it's like when, I, when I'm hungry, there's a couple things that I do when I'm hungry. Like you go to the kitchen, you open the fridge, you go to a fast food restaurant, you go and make food depending on how you've been raised and how you choose and chose to eat in the past, mm-hmm. right? So those get assigned to like personalities in your mind. So maybe you have one personality that's out of balance, that's taking control of your life, oh. right? Like maybe you're allowing your school personality to completely dominate your social personality, right? And your social personality is going to fight back against that, right? Humans will not tolerate tyranny for a long time. You cannot tyrannize yourself. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very true. I actually really relate to this because I talk about, um, it's like, I don't know, like in the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, they talk about like the natural man and all these things. But like what I refer to is just like different parts of your brain basically like to take over. But and so, you know, there's like a more primitive, primal, like more that wants to like focus on conserving energy. And it just like turns on because of this automatic processing, basically. So mm-hmm. then you don't have to spend as much cognitive power, basically. Um, but I, I like this idea of even just like sub personality subsets. I mean, this is all it's very computer sciencey. If you're like a computer <laughs> scientist at all, you're like, oh, I get a lot of this. But like just the idea of just like, oh, let me put on this like personality set because this is the personality set that's going to take care of me, provide for me in this moment. So like you said, for hungry, like, well, like when I feel hungry, you get that signal kind of like from your body, that sensation automatically that kind of triggers, I'd say, like some things in your brain to be like, oh, well, here are the actions that need to take place. Like, go get food, go do this. This is can't be interrupted by other people, basically, and whatnot. But maybe that's inadvertently having like a an effect that we aren't aware of upon I guess the other moving parts in our life. Exactly. And uh, just a side note before we move on here. uh, Most of computer science, at least the techniques that we do in it, are based actually in psychology, especially when it comes to AI development. Yeah, this problem of perception is a a huge problem, but we won't get into that today. Okay. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense because, like, you know, our brain is the ultimate processor. And so if computers are simply just processing um then like it would make sense to emulate that exactly okay yeah and that that's what actually what a neural network does is it, it right. takes information in and then looks for outputs which is what our brain does as well oh, it's super cool very interesting <laughs> yeah anyways going back to the the topic right we have these sub personalities and now the question is raised right like okay we have all these sub personalities which we are in control but we aren't in control we're in control of them because we allow what they do we approve the actions right mm-hmm. we also allow what we feed them right the actions that we feed them and how we um, treat them and how we allow them to fulfill their goals is what shapes these personalities right for example let let's say um okay with ptsd right when i was struggling with ptsd Mm -hmm. um my i I was going to a therapist and he kept talking about these barometers barometers and didn't really make sense to me right you're saying you have these barometers or things that you're doing to try to numb these experiences you had Mm -hmm. right and so i didn't get that and then all of a sudden i was like oh this is what's happening is when i have emotional distress i've allowed myself to take xyz action and so now my brain says we have this input we need to get this output Mm -hmm. right and so that's where we lose control right is we don't really have once that system's set up it's very difficult to go on and change it not impossible and i know i don't want to sound pessimistic here (laughs) but the first step to have a healthy mind in my opinion is setting the system up right. 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 
Yeah, no, I like that idea of like, it's not impossible to change, but the way that our brains are hardwired makes it so secure, the things that we do, the habits that to basically rewire everything is difficult and requires effort on our part, which our brain doesn't want to do necessarily because like it's been doing this one thing this whole time. Why would it want to like change it basically? Like if I've been receiving, like you said, X input this whole time, I, I do Y output. I don't do Z output. Like, and so it's just like, I don't know. It's a, a total rewiring. It makes sense why change can be difficult. Mm. Um, especially when you notice like, oh, this is like maybe a bad habit. Or this has a negative effect on my life, a result that I'm not really a big fan of. Not that it's anything to do with our worth or anything. We're just like, I just don't want this experience in life anymore. It's still difficult to make that shift. Yeah, exactly. And rewiring is the perfect word for that because like I said, it's actual neurochemistry in your brain. There's actual neurons that configure themselves um, to connect, right? They actually connect together so that when you see certain colors, when you smell certain things, right? That's why when you can like, you walk into your home, your childhood home and you smell something or you smell like a perfume from a girl that you haven't seen in a while or whatever it is, mm -hmm. all of a sudden all these emotions trigger you because that's how your brain was literally built. Right. Right. So that's why it takes effort. I mean, you, if you're trying to change your brain, right, you got to give it time to rest. You got to sleep right. Right. If you're trying to rewire these systems, you got to eat right. You got to exercise. Right. And it sounds like, oh, man, I can't do all these things. There's a lot to do. But here's the cool thing. It's just exponential. Right. So if you start mm -hmm. little and you start making a little bit of prog progress, your brain kind of goes into like a state of flux where it's opening these boxes up. As you open the top box up, it exposes all the boxes underneath and you can continue to open these and you get exponentially more power to change. Hmm. Right? Interesting. So like it's basically like even if we aren't necessarily seeing the quote unquote results that we're looking for or feeling the way that we want to after doing like some certain changes in our habits or unboxing the boxes, so to speak, um, the very act of trying to do it basically opens up this idea that your brain is like, oh, there's actually a possibility basically of um, something different. I mean, right now we're doing the same operation, but like, hey, maybe this is worth exploring. And so like, it just requires that over and over repetitive effort to open up. Basically, the way we made the first neural network is the way we open up a new one. Exactly. And that and that actually is um, a good way of thinking about it, right? If you just, if you sit down and you're like, today, I'm just, what, what can I do better today? If you ask yourself and you truly ask yourself like, okay, just give me something that I know I can do today to be better, right? One of my favorite psychologists, Jordan Peterson just says, mm -hmm. pick up your room. Just start by picking up your room, right? Maybe it's that simple. Sometimes I'm like, all right, you know, this is what my goal today. Uh, you know, I would like to go to the gym. And I don't want to go to the gym. So it's like, okay, if I go to the gym, what workouts would I do? It might not be the best workout routine that's going to get me the most jacked in like three months, mm -hmm. right? But it's like, I want to do bench today. Okay, I'll tell you what. We go to the gym. I promise we'll do bench even though it's a leg day. Right. Right? And then it's like, boom, okay, we're going, right? Because now I'm motivated. Mm -hmm. And and that kind of relates back to this question of what is self, right? Like, what what are we? If we're, There's a bunch of sub-personality. There's all these things going on our, in our subconscious. Right, there's all these perceptions that are affecting us. What are we? And I thought a lot about this for like like several years, thinking like, what exactly are we in our mind? And it's interesting because if you ask someone to point to where their mind is or where they are in their body, they point right here to your mm -hmm. forehead. Your <laughs> yeah. Right? You know what's right behind your forehead? 
Uh, your skull? That that yes, <laughs> by your brain. I'm guessing. Well, it's actually the conscious mind. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So the conscious mind sits on the top here, and underneath it sits the logical mind, the language processing. Mm-hmm. Underneath that sits the emotional processing. Correct. Yeah. Right. And going through those two minds is what creates the uh, so the lang- going through the language and then through the logical is what creates these subpersonalities. It comes into the conscious mind, and the conscious mind makes the decisions on it. Right. Right. So the way I I like to think about it is we are the connection between all of these right mm-hmm. like the desires like in one of your other podcasts you talked about how desires are good right and how they our motivations is how we act on them that d- defines them right mm-hmm. the desires are the motivating like they push the stimulus through right and then the conscious mind is what connects them right mm. so the, the the second question becomes okay I'm doing my best to set things up right now like I'm just doing little things right to try to make things better now what can I do about bad things I already had Right. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is, first, you have to get this connector to gain the respect of the other personalities. OK. Right. And what I mean by that is you have to be honest with yourself first. That is I found that's the key. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. honest. like, you know what? I do. These things aren't good. I do. These things are good. Right. Right. I'm neither a good person nor a bad person. I'm a person that is capable of both doing good and doing bad. And I'd like to do more good. Yeah. And so then you start talking to yourself. All right. I have this personality or this group of actions that I don't agree with. How can we change those? How can we make those better? Mm-hmm. Right. And then that you have to be like, okay, but if I, if I do that, right, if I don't eat healthy, that that's not going to feel as good. Or if I stop eating healthy, it's not going to feel as good as, uh, you know, eating junk all the time, but it's sure going to feel better in the long run. So you have to negotiate with yourself and then you have to be true to what you say. That Mm -hmm. is really important because as you do that over time, this kind of connecting self gains the respect of your mind, Mm. right? Because remember your mind's an input output. So if the the connector says, I'm going to do something and the input says he's going to do it and then he doesn't do it, it starts associating this conscious mind, this connector with bad results. And uh, so your own brain starts to cut you off. And your brain's just like, we can't trust. We can't trust We can't it. trust you because you're giving us, you're saying one thing, yet the input is not the same. And I, I mean, it's like, there's so much to talk about. One, I love the idea of being honest with yourself, like just being deep down. What is your heart of hearts desire for things? Because like, like one, sometimes we like to hide from that. We just think like, oh, we think we should want something or we should do this or instead of just being like cut cut and dry being like cuz there's nothing wrong with us i think i think we're afraid of looking and being like oh my gosh there's like so much like wrong it's just like no it's just cut and dry like i like a xyz that i do and i also like xyz these are the things that i don't like basically about myself just be honest about it because with that honesty you know where you're at rather than just hiding first off and then i like this idea that like we as this connector, this conscious mind sphere, however you want to define it, basically, it's this like the glue that holds things together, the one that's operating, basically making those um, these decisions, like you said, like has this like desire to do something, basically. Yet when we like don't follow through on it, it's really easy then for what I would call like the primal part of your brain. Like, but I like what you said, like all these parts of your brain are kind of just like wait, like you said this thing, yet you're not doing this thing. Like we're not going to continue to trust you. We're going to operate because actually like we've been doing fine without your (laughs) input basically. And you're just messing things up. You're messing up this autopilot basically. And like it's understandable because manuals obviously requires a lot more effort and conscious like focus and energy. And so it's really easy for us to like 
I think not want to do that, but it's required in order for, like you said, to create the autopilot. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's worth diving into like this question of, okay, I want to be honest with myself, but that's the very like difficult thing to do. Right. And I just want to, I'll give my two cents on it real quick and then we'll continue with the conversation. Um, One thing that I found is like, I was like, I want to be honest with myself about what I'm doing. But then it was really easy when I was doing good things. Like, heck yeah, dude, I'm killing it. (laughs) Right. Like I got X, Y, and Z trait. Like, whew, man, Mr. Guapo over here. Right. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) But then when I do something dumb, right, I did something that was contrary to my beliefs. Right. I said something bad. I, I did whatever it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was against what I believed. All of a sudden it was like, oh, right. Well, I did it because of this and because of it. And then all all of a sudden the justifications started coming. Yeah. Right. And that was something I thought, again, I thought about for a long time and I really worked out like, okay, why did, why did I do that? Why do I all of a sudden just jump from being honest to justification? And this, this may not be, it's not very popular when I talk about this, to be honest, but I, but I do believe it to be true is I realized I'm not a good person. Okay. Right. But I also realize I'm not a bad person. Right. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm me. I'm a person. Right. I'm neutral. I can't make neutral decisions, but I myself am neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I make a good decision, that means I'm headed in the right direction, that I'm oriented towards a good goal. And that means I have somewhere to go. If I make a bad decision, that means I took a step back, but it doesn't change anything about me. Right. Right. Like obviously our actions and our effects will change what actions and effects and how we perceive things in the future, which is something we'll continue to talk about. But my fundamental worth as a person isn't changed by the decisions I make. Yes. Right. It's the direction I'm going. And I think if, if someone the other day, my friend asked me like, Hey, what's your favorite miracle that Christ performed? Hmm. And I said, be perfect. Right. Which is one that people really don't like, but that when I realized this, that's when that became my favorite miracle because Christ said, be perfect. Because you can't conceptualize perfection. We can't do that. But we've got an idea to kind of see what it is. And so we can take a step and get to that idea, accomplish that goal, and then be like, oh, wait, perfection is a little bit farther. And so we always have a goal. We always have a direction. And there's things we can obtain along the way. It literally maps out for us a pathway that we can follow. We can always be headed down a direction. We're never wandering in the woods. Right. And rather than being a comparison for which we can just blame and shame ourselves and like kind of put ourselves in a hole, it's like, it is a guiding post basically because without it, like, I mean, like for those, like it's totally available basically. Like Christ has given us basically an option to follow. Like we as human beings, we have agency and decisions. And so, like you said, we can either choose one or the other. He has established what his law is and we can decide what we believe about it. But, you know, if you believe in Christ, then it's like it's there for you to achieve. Basically, it's not something to be like used against yourself. And I don't know. I just really like that idea. Like you said, like it's just something that we can take steps forward to in terms of our own perception, because also that's one thing that we're battling against is that, you know, we have our own perception of what we quote unquote think is perfect. And so that's why like it has been established. And what do we think about that? And I don't, we could keep going into that, yeah. but like, this is a little sidetracky. <laughs> I don't want to like, I mean, I think it's great. And yeah. so if you have anything else to say about it, but no, just whatever it is you believe, take steps for that gr- gradually. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't believe in Christ, you have some kind of perception of what an ideal person would be and continue to move towards that. Right. Right. Just keep, keep taking little steps 
and then recognize the progress you make along the right. way. Right. It's about living up to this idea of potential. Mm-hmm. I think whatever you visualize that to be. Yeah. Interesting that uh, <laughs> you talk about potential because that kind of I guess that segues in uh, kind of to the next thing that I want to oh, talk great. about. Right. Like we just keep moving on here. But awesome. um, let, let's talk about time because this okay. time is something I've thought about since probably I was 11 years since old. The beginning when, of time. Yeah. Since <laughs> the beginning of time. Right. <laughs> Whatever that means. Because, you know, when I was 11 years old, uh, I remember I, maybe I was like older than that i don't remember it, around that age range i remember looking at a clock and seeing a tick and i'm like what like wh- why is this second spaced out the way it is mm-hmm. like what are we measuring was the question i had which got me very interested in physics and you know relativity and all this stuff which has been very interesting yeah, right really fascinating but, it, it's we good can stuff. continue to go into that but yeah <laughs> but we can just go all the way down the nerd rabbit hole here <laughs> <laughs> but the question is Again, like, what is time? And we, we, as a kid, I always conceptualize it as like a, a substance, a thing, right? Like water in a river, right? Like we are swimming down a river, and there's 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 water in it, right? And or 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 I don't there's something tangible. Does that make sense? Right, like like time is something in which if it's a measurement, that means it's like a tangible quantity that we are like, I mean, if you were to like pull out a ruler that you measure length, okay, like that's a tangible, like we can see it and have it there. But like, what is time basically? If we were to like, you know, put up a measuring stick on time, like what are we in fact measuring basically? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of articulating it, I think. (laughs) But I, as you kind of get older, right? You like one thing I remember that really impacted me is I learned that sp- that space and time are actually connected. And if you want to know more about that, again, jump into relativity. Yeah, that's good great, stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. But it's like okay, so three dimensional space is fundamentally connected to time, at least if you're looking through Einstein's relativity. And so that that becomes okay. Well, then the question always becomes: Well, what is space? Right? What does it mean to be here versus there? What does it mean to be? You know in Japan or in America, or what does it mean to be Argentina versus here or, or Mexico versus like, what, what do these physical locations actually mean? Right. And when we hold up a tape measure on the ground, what are we measuring? Are we measuring dirt? Right. Right. Or, or are we measuring the time it takes to get from one place to another? Like what are we actually measuring? And, and as I thought about this, I, I came to realize that it's, it's potential. Mm. Right. If I'm in America, I have different choices than if I'm in Japan. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's right now, I have different choices than I did an hour ago. Right. And so we're not actually measuring like physical things. Right. It's pure potential. And mm-hmm. so thus the future becomes pure potential or chaos. Right. Because there's any direction we can go. Right. Which is why if you try, <laughs> you like have a general idea where your life is going to go. And then all of a sudden it completely <laughs> derails. And you're like, oh, how did that happen? Right. Right. Life, like that. That's an, that's an interesting thing to think about. I was like, OK, like. The future is just pure potential. But then that raises the question, well, what is the past, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the past is order, right? The past is completely set. It, it it happened. It is that way. And there's nothing we can do to change it. We have no influence in, influence in it, right? The past is dead, mm-hmm. right? Right. We're completely dead. There, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, I kind of had those thoughts. And that was about before I left on my mission, I was thinking those, I left on my mission and, you know, saw a lot or did all that fun stuff. Um, I guess I, I did serve in Argentina, 
Argentina Salta as a service missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, just for a little background there. And I came back after two years and I started getting into psychology is when I really started getting into it. Because kind of like going through therapy kind of really triggered the questions in my mind. And I also wanted to make sure my therapist wasn't more psycho than me. Right. So I started Some studying. Double checking, yeah. back checking stuff. <laughs> so then I, it was about maybe a year and a half ago, I came across a lecture that talked about um, these memory experience experiments they were doing. And this psychologist, and I don't remember her name, which is really sad. I really should I remember her name. Up, but yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she was trying to see if she could implant memories into her patients. Oh. And so what she did is she had them fill out a survey before they came in. And one of the questions was, were you lost in the mall? Right. Or maybe like she asked their parents, there was some way of screening of participants cool. so that they were not lost in the mall before they came in. And then she had like a therapy session with them and she taught, she would try to implant a memory of being lost in a mall as a child, like when they were very young. Right. Even though it objectively did not happen. Right. Well, in the majority of participants, she was able to do it, but she found out the way she was able to do it is by connecting it to a lesson. So she'd ask them, what did you learn by being lost in the mall? Mm. right and then they've also done track like you ask yourself okay what's the purpose of memory right and this this is a, a different psychologist who's saying the same thing and he was like well the purpose of memory is to learn from the past not to accurately represent it mm-hmm. which it was something for me that was mind mind-blowing right because like <laughs> you and mom we have this classic argument uh-huh. and i love my mom she's great but it's always like hey mom remember that time when this happened she's like no that didn't happen. It happened this way. I'm like, no, it happened this way. But we both had different lessons, right? So our brain has actually remembered the events differently. Differently. It's yeah. like, so the past, I don't know, has been perceived differently by your brains and set in your own mind as in the terms of memory as something different because you learned this lesson while your mom learned a different lesson from that. Exactly. And this this is actually exactly what happens in uh, post-traumatic stress sy- syndrome, right? Is your brain starts connecting all of these things to traumatic events. And so anytime you see those, those trigger it, mm. right? And so then that kind of helps us define what the past is, right? The past is lessons to be extracted from and the future is opportunities to be pursued. But the question is now, what is the present, mm. right? Yes, what is the present? What is the present? So we're going to jump topics again. We're going to go into my discrete math class that okay. I took last semester. And so uh, the professor at one point, um, I think it was a number 19, but it really could be any number. He drew the number 19 on the board and he said, okay, um, here's the number 19. Here's the number 18.999999 and do the little repeating sign over it, right? And he said, how many numbers did I draw on the board? And we said, well, two, duh. Yeah. And he said, no. And we said, why not? And he said, well, give me a number that's in between 18.999 repeating and 19. Right, find a distance between those two, like a measurable distance between those two numbers. Right, couldn't do it. It's impossible, right? Because every time you say, "Well, okay, well, if you have nine thousand nines after the eighteen, I'll just do nine thousand zeros and a one, and boom, I got it." Well, then I got ten thousand. You know, yeah. you can't do it, right? So therefore, the numbers must be the same, and the same applies on the other side of nineteen, right? You could do like nineteen point zero 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 zero, repeating, and then add a one at the end of the zeros, mm-hmm. right? Okay, well, let's apply that now to time, right? So the present. There's no measurable difference between the present and the future and the present and the past. You can subdivide, subdivide time as small as you want to get it, right? Right. And maybe quantum physics will come out one day and say that's not true, but we're going to pretend it is for yeah. now. 
So we can subdivide it as into infinitesimally small pieces, which therefore means that the immediate past and the immediate future are part of the present. Right. Right. Which means we exist in the intersection between order and chaos. Mm-hmm. Right. So that asks the question, okay, what are we doing then? In this moment, what am I doing? Well, I guess the logical question is you are sacrificing the potential of the future for the lessons of the past. You're sacrificing your current self for something to be learned, mm. right? For states to be gained, right? If I jump in the car and I drive two and a half hours, that ain't very fun, right? Mm-hmm. But two hours later, I'm in a different place. Maybe I'm with my family, right? Right. Or maybe, I don't know, I I, I drove to St. George. It's quite two hours away, but you, whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I've I've sacrificed my current state to gain future ones. Mm-hmm. And I think this goes all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning about opening the box. Is you open the box, you're sacrificing your current self. You ain't going to learn nothing just by opening. But you are going to allow yourself to continually progress, and you're going to set yourself up for future success. Right. And so I think this is probably my, my, my third point is realize what you're doing in every moment. Right. Every decision you make affects the potential you have in the future. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really what time is. It's more like an ocean. Right. It's more like a map. You choose to go down different paths and those paths affect what you can choose next. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as we do that, right, we can say, again, I need a goal. I need something to work towards and make the small decisions now that matter. Right. Right. That, that'll that make it available, basically, to get to that future destination you're talking about. So like like the way I understand it, like, you know, if the future is chaos, basically, and you're like weaving like you have all these paths in terms of like a map, basically like, well, what are you doing today? That is like you said, sacrificing for that future potential because of lessons that you've already learned basically. Cause in the past you've already traversed certain paths. You're already aware of these sort of outcomes that come from this. You're like, well, do I want to repeat that or do I want something different? And so then it comes back to that battle that you might have between like the, um, the cognitive uh, conscious mind versus the rest of your, you know, connecting brain, basically like, because sometimes your connecting brain is going to rebel and going to be like, well, we don't want to do this. Like, we don't want to put in this effort for like, um, I don't know, like, let's say like wanting to do better on a test. Basically, you're like, well, OK, like I after some awareness, I recognize that like I can do better in terms of studying. I can do better in terms of what I do the night before. I can do better in terms of like um, maybe what I do with my friends, basically, like leading up to this an exam or something like that. I don't know. You evaluate it. And you're going to have that sort of battle, basically. But then you can remind yourself, okay, like in the past, this is what happened. And necessarily, we didn't like it. It was like, we're okay with it. We're not beating ourselves up in terms of regret. But we know that the future is completely available. I like that idea, especially of like, it's all available, basically. Like, obviously, like certain choices that we've made in the past might limit our future. But I believe that... um, sometimes in terms of our brain we put more limit than there actually is available basically yeah exactly and i think you're getting getting right into it is like we're placing limits that don't need to be on ourselves like obviously there's physical limits like yesterday i fell snowboarding and now i've got a left shoulder that's dislocated i can't move my arm right right (laughs) yeah that's a physical limit Yeah, that happened and you can't just be like well I'm going to use it. Or if you use it, you're going to hurt it even more, basically. And so, like, you recognize you pushed a physical limit and it, it you know, got dislocated. Exactly. And, and uh, like, the last thing I guess to say on that point is, like, nature doesn't care, right? <laughs> it Nature doesn't care that I was having a lot of fun on my board. It, 
it doesn't care that I really want to keep snowboarding. It doesn't care that um, I've got like a gymnastics class and now I can't type and I'm a coder, which is a big problem, right? That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, but it only cares that when I jumped up on that box, I had my tail less than an inch out of position on my mm -hmm. snowboard, right? It's brutal. But at the same time, we're stronger than nature. And the proof I have for that is humans are still around right yeah that's a good point we're stronger than nature right all the animals freaking mice are stronger than nature it's brutal and it gets after you but we're stronger than it there's limitations that it will pose on us mm -hmm. right but i mean gosh dang we left our freaking planet yeah. right we went to the moon we're going to mars yeah. right like you are part of the most powerful race ever right your potential literally reaches into the stars Right. There are limits that will be on you, but gosh dang it, find a way to beat them. Right. You're creative. You're strong. Right. Maybe your strength is like you can just beat the problem over and over again. Maybe your strength is that you've got a creative solution. And you're just going to find a way to just sneak under it around it. Right. Maybe you mm -hmm. climb over it. It doesn't matter. Right. If you weren't strong, your ancestors would have died out long before you got around. Right. right. Everyone's not smart. Not everyone has the same IQ. Right. And that's hard to say, but it, it really just is the facts. Right. But everyone's strong. At least they had the potential to be strong. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that like saying that, like, sure, like there are physical limits as well as like natural characteristics that each human being has, basically, that might impose, like you said, these physical limits doesn't mean that they can, like you said, cannot be overcome in other ways. Like we cannot use nature's laws for our benefit rather than against us. And I would say that truly, honestly, it is truly the mental limit that is imposed the most when it comes to our future. Like, so uh, the the way I'm imagining it, I don't know why I'm imagining the future like as a bunch of noodles and like, <laughs> like there's a bunch of noodles oh, oh, everywhere, long noodles, just and like you're at a table basically and the present is you have this like you know like one of those lasagna like spinner things that like brings them together and like strains it or whatever like mm -hmm. the present is all those paths come to that strainer basically and then it it's like set it's ordered so that chaos that's the way i'm imagining i've been imagining i'm like how do i explain this i don't know but that's it that is all available basically the only thing that is limiting you from each path is basically your choices. You choose, that's the one I want, that's the one I want. Sometimes we are inadvertently doing this because like you were talking about before, the mental heuristics of this autopilot, like we're just making choices without us really taking conscious effort of like, are what are these choices leading to? And like, based on learning from the past, is this really the future that I'm looking forward to? What am I sacrificing today though, in order to get a certain potential that is available in the future when it comes to time. Yeah, I like the pasta analogy. <laughs> it's a it's a good one. It it, it probably tastes good too. But yeah. uh, I like that because as you were saying that, I guess what I was thinking is like, as the noodles come in, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Anyways, so as they come in, it's it it's a continual birth of potential and then simultaneously a death of potential. Right. Yes. The yes, present. Yes, yes. So you sacrifice the potential you just got, but you also gain another one. Right. Right. It's a birth. And, and the one you gain is directly related to the one that you just sacrificed. Yeah. So like if we're I'm, I'm trying to think of like more of a concrete analogy in terms of like I, I like I take the thing like in terms of getting a degree, like 
just because a lot of people are college students, I imagine, like you have made choices to get a certain degree. And so once you achieve that, you sacrifice kind of the potential of getting, I mean, you could get other degrees, but that's the one you've chosen. That's the path you've gotten. But be, for, as a result of that connector, basically, the next available paths because of it are so much greater and they're linked to that degree. Like, I mean, there's jobs related to the degree. There might be jobs not related, but because you have that experience, they trust you and whatnot. And so it's just like, or you could choose something entirely different. It's all available and you don't have any limit on yourself. You're not limited just to that major, but as a result of making that choice for yourself and those sacrifices, you all those opportunities are available rather than if you just spent four years bumming around, basically not saying that that's bad, but your opportunities are different. Your potential is different. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think we should, uh, uh, I guess one of the goals I've accepted in my life lately is to be as honest as I can and if I don't know, because I don't always know exactly what's true, right? I mean, yeah, I don't either. So, but I do know um, what's false, right? And so I can at least say what's true, or I can at least not say what's false. But in this case, I do want to like point out something that I feel is necessary to append to this, which is um, eventually all paths lead through hell, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually you're going to hit roadblocks on all of the paths. And the question is, okay, what do we do when we get there? Right. Right. And and I think, again, it's going back to this thing that all people are strong. Maybe not all people are smart. Like a lot of us are told nowadays that we shouldn't be strong. Mm. Right. Interesting. That that we should we, we should uh, that we should be docile, that we shouldn't be aggressive. Right. Which isn't the right answer. The right answer is to be aggressive, but towards the right things. The right answer is to get after it and to go to war with your problems. Right. The right answer isn't to erase the beast inside. Mm-hmm. The right answer is to take the beast inside and train it to work for you. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Exactly. Just this idea of um, what uh, we talk about in terms of the coaching world is that like between um, any goal that you want or any like big desire that you have, something, you know, impossible or whatnot, uh, they call it the river of misery. I'm not really a big fan of that necessarily, but I kind of like this idea of hell in terms of like, there's a lot of resistance that's available. We have human brains, and so they're very fallible and wanting to result return back to these automatic things or trying to comfort us, avoid pain and everything, which is also a lot of what the world is teaching, I'd say, in effect, like things should be comfortable, things should be easy rather than trying to be strong, hard, and whatnot. But all I can say is like you get a choice in the matter. It's whatever you guys want. But as I've seen in my life is that doing the hard things or this kind of hard work of building myself up, first off, makes me feel more like myself in terms of potential. And also I'm always happier in doing it. I'm always happier in putting this effort because I think it's really because that conscious mind is taking its position as it should. You are taking more control over your body and mind basically and using it to its full ability and realizing the potential that you desire for yourself and your life you're making something of it rather than i guess things just happening to you and you just going on autopilot yeah and uh i guess wrapping this point up it it extends far beyond yourself too Mm. right it's not just you um for example ask yourself what makes a sane person right that's very 
hard question to answer. And it's one that we've been answering collectively as a race for a long time. And I guess this has really stood out to me as well is we don't think of ourselves as being a hive mind race, but in many ways we are, right? For example, look at the stock market. No one defines the price. Everyone defines the price, right? And so as you do these things, right, you think, well, maybe I'm not, like you think I'm not worth this fight. This is a lot of work. It's painful, right? Like Sean's up here telling me like, man, basically I'm screwed. And <laughs> the only way through it is a lot of hard work and suffering, <laughs> right? But then, but then you think, well, it's not about that, right? It's not about me. It's about all the people who came before me and all the people who sacrificed so I could be here right now. Right. It's about all the people who are going to come after me and my sacrifice is going to make their life better. Like as you improve, as you start to solve these problems, everyone around you will start to solve them too because they'll pick up subconscious cues. Like literally 90% of communication is body language. Mm -hmm. They will pick up what you're doing. They'll see your strength. You may, you won't even realize it. But your fight will strengthen everyone else around you. So honestly, this is brutal to say, but it's selfish to think like that. It really is. And I, I felt like that for years, right? Like, oh, I'm not worth the fight. Like, whatever. I'll do my best to help other people. But like for myself, I'm not, I'm not worth it. That, that's selfish and wrong, mm -hmm. right? Because you're bringing everyone down around you when you think that. Wow. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a good thought to kind of wrap things up on, honestly. Because, I mean, first off, totally vibe with that. But I want to leave with this question making sure it's answered so I, every goal now that i have in terms of these interviews basically is that bringing someone on to share something that has impacted their life that they believe can impact others kind of like because i don't want people to be selfish basically living their potential and trying to affect and help other people as well so sean what is i guess that one thing that you would share any final thoughts um for our audience yeah. Um, I've heard it said that evolution is best defined as nature's way of coming up or a competition of perceptions is the way to say it, mm. right? Is, and your brain is capable of evolution. There's studies of this. And so allow new perceptions to come into your life. Allow new ways of thinking. Let yourself experiment and let the best ones rise to the top. Um, we're tough. Like we've overcome a lot. You've overcome a lot. And honestly, the world is a, I, I've seen a lot of darkness in the world. Right. Right? There, there's a reason why I had PTSD. I saw a lot of really horrible things and good people make it worth it. So be a good person. Don't give up. Don't, don't be a dark person. Be someone that brings light into the world. If we're going to solve the problems, we're going to really turn this crap around. It's going to start with you. And it's going to start with me. I love it. That. I mean, I can't say anything more. That was awesome. Thank you, Sean. Um, where can people find you if they want to find you, if they want to talk to you? I don't know if you're, you said you're not merely a social media person, but I don't know. Is is there anywhere people can like look for you, email you? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we can, uh, we can put my email on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Like, me. I don't know if anyone is actually going to do it. I don't know if you want that basically, but I don't know. I think Sean's a really great guy. I really respect him. And so especially after this interaction, I always looked up to him in terms of philosophy and like um, just big ideas. And I think I love this idea like um, of being a light because I think you are very much a light. And so appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate what you do. You give opportunities to people to share. Yeah, that's good. and that's the goal of this. So um, hope you liked it. Um, stay tuned for more um, from me. And um, thank you, Sean. Thank you again. Muffin top out. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to personally see how what I talk about can change your life forever, sign up for your free coaching call today. This week's episode was sponsored by Sean, our guest today. I loved getting to do this episode with him. And special shout out to Adwith Malpay, my best friend from high school, and for supporting the podcast. And to everyone, keep it spicy.